welcome to this week's Stepping Stone. Basically, this is a space for us to go deeper and reflect on our conversation from earlier in the week while also having a little fun too. So this week I talked to Talia Delju, who's amazing. She's a positive psychology expert and personal development coach. And we had a conversation around fear and specifically fear around money, which I feel like is so relevant right now. I'm going to be sharing what came up for me, and I'll also be sharing some ins and outs from this week, too. I'm your host, Ingrid Nilsson, and I'm here with our producer, Christina Cleveland. Hey, Christina. Hi. How's it going? You know, just (laughs) in my cave of blankets in my closet. I know. Christina and I are both using towels for, like, sitting support. This is really a fun time over here. It does feel a lot like a cocoon. Like, it feels like I'm in just a soft little bunker. I know. I am surrounded by clothing. I have some towels behind my back. I'm in a cushy chair, and I'm surrounded by wires. So this is a scene in here. I'm surrounded by pretty much every blanket that I own. Like I just pulled all the blankets from everywhere in my apartment and they're like hanging around me. They're covering all the surfaces. It's kind of nice. I know it's kind of comforting. All right. Are you ready for some ins and outs this week? I feel like we have some lists. I'm ready. I actually brought my list with me into the bathroom when I was about to take a shower because I knew that I would have ideas come up and I really did. Like it worked. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I love the picture of you just like setting up like your bathroom note section. For your shower inspiration. It's so good, but it's so true. Inspiration does come in the shower sometimes. I have my little post-it notes. So I write my ins and outs, which are things that I'm liking right now and things that I'm over. And I have two post-it notes. They're ready to go. So Christina, do you want to start us off with something that's in for you this week? Okay. So one thing that I've been into, which kind of surprised me, is blogs. I've been reading fashion blogs again, and I used to be obsessed with fashion blogs from like 2007 to 2012. And now I've really gotten into reading personal blogs again, because for one thing, there aren't very many left. So I really appreciate the people who are still doing it. But also, it's like a compartmentalized way for me to be on the internet, because On Instagram, it's like there's so many people, there's a feed, there's stories, there are lives popping up all the time. And on news sites, they're trying to point you to all of these different places. But on a blog, it's just one person's voice. And so I've been really enjoying like digging into one person's style and one person's point of view, and it doesn't feel so scattered to me. So I've been reading a lot of blogs. And then I also was inspired to write a blog post of my own, which I haven't done in well over a year. It's been a really long time. So that's been something new and fun for me to start exploring again. Ooh, what did you write about? Well, I actually used the list that you shared in your YouTube video. I really liked what you said about how we're all historians right now. So I wrote it just kind of like a journal entry of what's happening right now in the news and outside my apartment, inside my apartment. And I really enjoyed it. Oh, I'm so glad. I loved that 
list that I talked about in my recent YouTube video that I did with Erica, we discovered this list of questions through her sister, who is a teacher. And this list of questions had been shared on Facebook in a group that her sister is a part of that is like a group of teachers. And they were sharing this list of questions that originally came from a UC Berkeley teacher leader. His name is Brian Shaw. And it's this really incredible assignment that I think can be used for a wide variety of ages of kids. And also it's great for adults too. And it's a great journaling exercise. And they really encourage people to use different mediums. So you could make videos, you could write about it, you could experiment with different ways to express what is happening. But the questions are really great because it does get you in the moment of what's happening in your surroundings, in your community, what's happening in your family, you know, what might be happening in your life that might not be happening for someone else. Recognizing the privilege that you might have, I thought it was just such a great exercise and so cool to know that this is something that's circulating as an assignment for young people to be doing as well. Yeah. And there were a lot of teachers in the comments saying that they're now going to use the list too. So that's really exciting. Oh, that is so exciting. I know. I was just like, oh my God, of course this came from a teacher group because this is amazing. And I think we really are all historians in this moment. It's so cool that you did that. I'm going to have to go read it because now I'm curious. So what's your first in? Okay. So I'm going to combine my beauty stuff together. So I have some beauty ins right now and they're both from Beauty Counter. The first one is the Beauty Counter Adaptive Moisture Lotion and then the Beauty Counter Cream Blusher in Hibiscus. So I have really been attached to the moisturizers that I've been using recently. I'm almost out of my Primera moisturizer, so I added in a new moisturizer so I could use like Primera during the day and another one at night and kind of like make it last a little bit longer. But I've been using the Beauty Counter Adaptive Moisture Lotion and I love it. I love that it comes in a pump. It's really moisturizing. And the whole idea is that it's supposed to adapt to your skin's moisture levels throughout the day. So it can provide up to 24 hours of hydration. And I love it. It's really light. It sinks into my skin completely, but it doesn't leave my skin feeling greasy. And my skin does feel hydrated, whether I'm wearing it during the day or at night because I've been experimenting with when I'm wearing it. And I like it for both times of the day. Erica's using it and she's really liking it. So it's definitely something that is very in over here for both of us. And then the Beauty Counter Cream Blusher and Hibiscus. I haven't been wearing makeup that much, but I did put on makeup last week and it felt so good to just put on a little bit of makeup and play around with makeup. And I'm really loving the Beauty Counter Cream Blush. I thought that I would just forever be loyal to the Glossier Cloud Paints and I think I might like this one better. Does it come in a pot or a tube or what does it look like? So it looks like a highlighter stick. So it comes in a twisty tube. It's really creamy. And the reason why I'm saying I think I might like it better than the Glossier Cloud Paints is because the Glossier Cloud Paints, love them. They're super pigmented. They last forever. But sometimes I feel like 
I just put way too much on, even though I have like the tiniest dot on my finger. And I like with this beauty counter blush that I can tap my fingers on the stick, put it on my face, and I feel like it's an amount that I can work with. And it would take several rounds of digging into the blush to put on too much. So I feel like it's a slow build and I like that. So it's not like, oh my God, so much color that I'm trying to like blend it out, but it really like works with my process. So I'm really appreciating that. But the Glossier Cloud Paints have way more shades. So there's that too, just like different color options. But I really like hibiscus. And when I looked in the mirror and I also took some selfies too, I was like, oh yeah, this looks good. It looks natural, but radiant, not greasy, stays on. I'm into it. I am interested to try it, but I also recently opened a new blush product, the Nude Sticks, and I'm loving it. And it pretty much satisfies me. I don't need anything else, but I'm still looking around and seeing what else is out there. I know. It's like, but maybe there's something else. Like me with the cloud paints, it's like, I love the cloud paints. But then I was like, but maybe this beauty counter one. And also the color is slightly different from all of the glossy cloud paints that I have. So, you know, I am willing to experiment with some blush right now. It's bringing me a lot of joy to play around with blush. So I'm here for it. Okay, what else has been in for you? I talked a bit last week about how I'm trying to move while I'm at home and I'm definitely not doing very much like high intensity movements, but some days I don't even feel like doing yoga. Like some days that's just too much, like getting down on the floor is just too much for me. So I have been trying to get into Qigong, which is a bit like Tai Chi, and I'm very much a beginner. I'm still learning about it, but there's this one video on YouTube that I really love. So that video is my in for this week. It's this older Asian woman who kind of reminds me of my grandma. And she's in a park by herself going through the movements. She has a really pleasant expression on her face and there's no talking in the video, which that just soothes me right now. It's just sounds like birds chirping and peaceful outdoor park noises. They just have words on the screen. So it'll say like inhale, exhale. The movements are easy to follow. I always feel better after doing them. They're very gentle, but I still feel like my heart is moving a little bit faster. My blood is flowing after I do it. I've been sending it to people trying to get them to do it. I don't think I've really convinced anyone yet, but I've tried other Qigong videos and I didn't really love them as much, but this one is it. Oh my God, you could join my mom because my mom is a huge fan of Qigong. Really? Yeah. I don't know if she's been doing it recently, but I've seen her do it. And there was definitely a point where she was like regularly doing it. And when she would stay at my place, I would wake up and there she was in the morning sunlight just doing her thing. And she really got so much out of it. So I'm excited to see how it is for you. Yeah, that's basically me. My boyfriend's just gotten used to like walking in and seeing me going through my movements with this lady. And my friend told me that she always pictured me one day being one of these older women in the park. And I feel like I've just reached my final form but just early. You've expedited the process. <laughs> I'm into expediting into being an 
older lady because I feel like that is where I'm truly meant to be in life. Me too. Okay, so I'm going to combine some more things. I have Frosted Flakes. I have finished my Cap'n Crunch, Crunch Berries cereal. Delicious. Loved every single bite of that. And now I have moved on to Frosted Flakes. So I'm really into Frosted Flakes this week. Also, hoodies and sweatshirts. I've seen a lot of things online that are like, get dressed like you normally would. And I did put on clothing, like a t-shirt that wasn't like a sleeping shirt or a workout shirt. It was like an actual t-shirt that I would wear out last week. And in the moments where I felt like I want to do that, I have done that. But for the most part, I've wanted to wear sweatshirts and hoodies. And I'm just embracing that because that is what brings me comfort. Like even in the summer, if I'm in an air-conditioned space, I still want to wear sweatshirts and hoodies because having just clothing against my body feels super comforting to me. It makes me feel just like cozy and safe. And so I'm like, I'm just going to give that to myself now. And that means wearing my Cape Cod hoodie a few days in a row or wearing some of my other sweatshirts that I really love. But I feel like I'm giving my sweatshirt and hoodie collection extra love right now. And they're giving the love back to me. So I'm definitely soaking that in right now. Yeah, I haven't really put real clothes on in a long time. Yeah, I definitely have not put on pants with buttons in a while. Like everything's had a stretchy waistband. I have realized through this process that I need more pants with a stretchy waistband because I really only have like one. (laughs) Is it your outdoor voices cloud knit pants? That's exactly it. And it was in my blog post. I wrote that that's what I've been wearing every day. I'm literally wearing mine right now. (laughs) Those are keepers. Those are great pants. I love that I knew that those were the ones you were wearing too. Yeah, I've really identified a gap in my closet. You're like this gap that I didn't even know existed, but is clearly very much there. Do you have any more ins? My next one is the Great Pottery Throwdown, which is a British pottery competitive reality show. There are a bunch of different potters and each week they have to do a different form of pottery as their challenge, but it's not like American competition shows where something goes wrong and they get really upset and the judges are really critical. It's kind of similar to the Great British Bake Off in that way because I'm constantly waiting for something to go wrong and for there to be drama because I've been trained by shows like Chopped to just expect that. But it kind of never happens. Like even when they get sent home and there's this male judge and there've been quite a few times where he cried while giving feedback because he was just so proud of them and it's really touching and it's just a lovely show with lovely people and they're doing pottery. And when we get out of this, I really think I want to try pottery. Oh my God, that sounds like the most heartwarming thing that you could possibly watch right now. It has been. And there are only a few episodes on YouTube. There's like a playlist with 10 episodes. So I haven't made it all the way through. I'm kind of slowly watching them. Now I know what I'm going to be watching. This sounds really interesting. And I am here for anyone who cries while giving feedback because they're so proud of the people. I am ready for that kind of energy. Speaking of things that we've been watching, 
I watched Unorthodox on Netflix. It's a mini series, so it has four episodes, and it's based off of the memoir called Unorthodox by Deborah Feldman. And that is her story of leaving the Orthodox Jewish community in Williamsburg in Brooklyn and her story about growing up in this community and then leaving and moving to Berlin. So the series on Netflix is very much based on her memoir and everything that happens in the scenes that take place in Brooklyn are based on her life. But then when she goes to Berlin, they've created a whole new storyline for that because the author is now a public figure and they wanted to make the TV show a little bit different from the real person and give the character in the show her own identity. And so they share the same Brooklyn story, but then she has a different Berlin life. And it's such a beautiful portrait of self-discovery and what it means to live your life authentically. And Erica and I loved it. We watched three episodes in one sitting because it was just so good. And the main actress is incredible. She is my new favorite actress. She didn't even have to say anything. She was just so expressive with her facial expressions. And what's also really cool about this show is that it's primarily in Yiddish too, which is a really big deal. They did a behind the scenes making of Unorthodox on Netflix, which you can watch after you watch the series. And many of the actors talk about how special it is for them to have a show on Netflix that is a big show that is being spoken primarily in Yiddish because it's not really something that has been done before on this scale. And it's just so, so good. I loved it. And, you know, I think that there are hard moments in the show, but ultimately you're just rooting for this young woman the entire time and you feel so connected to her story. I've seen that thumbnail, but I haven't watched the show yet and now I want to. Yeah, and I liked it too because I felt like they weren't making it overly dramatic. It really just felt like you were watching this story unfold and Deborah Feldman was really involved in the making of the show and they were so intentional about how they portrayed the community and just every single detail of the show was thought about in a very deep way and it definitely shows in the outcome. It's by far my favorite thing that I have watched on Netflix recently. Do you have anything else? I have one more in and it is that last Friday at 7 p.m., there was a loud commotion outside. You probably heard it too. And so I opened up the windows and everyone was clapping at 7 p.m. for the service workers. And my dog, Katsu, was like barking and going crazy. And there were whistles and honking. And it lasted, I think it was only supposed to be for a couple minutes, but it lasted at least 20 minutes where I was. And there was also like a garbage truck went by and the driver got out and everyone was applauding him. It was just like one of those videos that you see on social media, but it was happening outside my apartment and it filled me with so much joy. I was really happy to participate. I'm glad it went on for so long. It was just a great moment. 
I know. It really was. We didn't know that it was happening until it was happening. And we did the same thing and opened up the windows. We were actually on the phone with Erica's sister. We were on like a group family call. And her sister was like, oh, yeah, there are people cheering. And then we noticed, oh, yeah, there are people cheering, too. And then we looked out the windows and we started clapping and joining. And then everyone that we were on the Zoom call with started clapping too. So it was just this really amazing community experience. And it was just so cool to kind of see everybody like stop what they were doing to take this moment and appreciate the work that all of these medical professionals are doing right now and the time that they're giving to care for people. Yeah, I think in Manhattan, they're doing it every day. But as far as I know, it was just that Friday here. I just, it made me tear up. I know. I know. I could do it every day. I'm like, can we start like the Brooklyn movement for this? Because I'd be really into that. Okay, so... The last things on my ins list are sound related, so they're very opposite of each other. I'm just going to put that out there. The first thing is music with crickets and birds. I've really been into music with those two sounds. It's very specific, but I find it incredibly soothing. So if there's like some nature sounds with maybe some soft music and then some crickets in the background, oh, amazing. Or like the same thing, but with birds in the background. Oh my gosh. And then if there's both, oh, so good. It just really soothes me. So I've been doing like breathing exercises to that. I've been doing like freestyle yoga to this music. And that's been a huge shift for me because I normally do not work out with music at all. And I normally don't like it, which is why I normally don't do it. But that's been a change for me. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I made a playlist called My Moody Teen Heart. And this might be the most important thing that I've done all week because it really felt like a moment of self-love for teen Ingrid who is feeling a lot of things right now and I feel like this was my way of honoring her and getting in touch with her and getting in touch with my very real adult emotions too. So I put together a playlist that has like Green Day and Garbage and just all of these bands that I loved listening to, especially when I was a teenager. Vanessa Carlton is on there. Her version of Paint It Black is one of my favorites. And basically all of this music, it starts off going from like angry and frustrated to then being sad to then being slightly hopeful, but not too hopeful. Like there's still some melancholy in there. Cause I was like, I'm not trying to be like super positive with this playlist, but I want to end with like a soft glimmer of like gentle hope at the end without going like too extreme. And I made this playlist and then just had this urge to run and went outside listened to this playlist and ran to the music. And it was the best thing I could have done for myself. And again, I don't like working out with, to music typically, but I loved this because by the time I got to the second song, which was still in the angry section, I felt like I was going to cry. And I just felt like 
that's what I needed to do is to like get my body moving, listen to this music that is very provoking, but also soothing and brings me back to my teen self, but connects me to my adult self in a really special way. It just felt like such a huge act of self-love. And it's just fun to go through that music that you used to listen to also and honor that part of yourself and let yourself be that emotional teenager who just has feelings on your sleeve and to just let them out. I also loved Garbage, so that's when I'm going to have to go back and revisit. I'm paranoid. That was the second song. Got some tears going with I'm Paranoid. My first out is actually also noise-related in a different way. I have new upstairs neighbors. They moved in right before we went into lockdown, so I haven't actually met them yet, but my God, are they loud. I don't actually know how one household can physically march and stomp and drop that many heavy things. I do know that it's two parents and a young girl. So part of me is like, you go girl, take up space, be loud. But the other part of me is like, how are you so loud? It just sounds like they're dropping really heavy furniture over and over all day. And like I said last week, my nerves are already on high alert. So every noise lately puts me on edge. And one day this will be funny. But right now I'm just confused. Like, what are they actually doing? And also just slightly on edge. My first out is actually related to one of your outs from last week. It's actually the exact same thing. Screens. I have been feeling the same things that you talked about last week. And when you were talking about it, it made me realize, oh, yeah, because I'm on screens way more right now. I am just feeling this very constant underlying hum of anxiety that is in addition to the anxiety that I'm already feeling from external circumstances. And, you know, just having spent all of these years, like building boundaries around screens, et cetera, et cetera, and then having things change and having and wanting to be on screens because that is a part of how we're connecting right now. It's been difficult to navigate, but I'm also in this place right now where I'm just trying to understand myself in this moment and not try and force myself to like find a new routine or like get into new habits right away, but really dialing it back to, okay, get in touch with yourself. Who are you in this moment? And I think that that is actually something that I'll go into later in my outs. I do know what you mean, though. I feel like when I'm on screen so much, I can physically feel it's like a buzzing in my body that if I'm on a screen for too long or late at night, and then I try to go to bed, I can still feel that kind of like buzzing feeling in me. Totally. I was just talking to a friend yesterday and she was saying the exact same thing. Like she can feel it in her body and that's how I feel as well. So I think just acknowledging that there is a physical change that I am noticing in my body that is translating also to a mental and emotional shift is just where I am right now. And I'll see what happens from here. So my next out is Tiger King. 
I know this show is so popular right now, but it's an out for me. Everyone on the show, I think, is just morally reprehensible. I disliked everyone. It felt like bad cable TV to me. Like the episodes felt like they were throwing so much in, just so much shock and awe. And it felt like they were trying to keep us watching through like an ad break, but it's Netflix and there are no ad breaks. There was animal abuse. There was predatory behavior, what I thought was abuse of young women and young men. And I know we all need an escape right now and distraction, but that was just not the escape that I wanted. And it's the number one show right now. And I just find that kind of disturbing. I know. Erica and I started watching it and we mentioned it in the video that we did together. We watched probably the first few episodes and then it's just started to really deeply disturb both of us because I think when you first start watching it, you're like, what is happening? And then it got to this point for us where we looked at each other and we were like, let's turn this off because we're both feeling really disturbed, really anxious. And I totally agree. There is definitely predatory behavior and abuse towards young women and men and animal abuse. And it just goes on and on and on. And it's interesting because it gets kind of clouded under this veil of entertainment. And I noticed and Erica noticed too that our bodies were signaling to us like, hey, you're getting into something that doesn't feel so great. And so we just stopped watching it because we just couldn't handle it anymore. And it was interesting to like experience that shift where we were like, what is this? Because everybody's talking about it and you're like excited to join in into something that feels like a communal experience. And then we were like, we can't keep doing this. We're very sensitive and delicate and emotional. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one because I know it's so popular, but I was just, I did not enjoy the experience of watching it. I know. I was so angry at some points and I was like, I do not need to be stepping into this space at this point in time, especially in the evening when I'm trying to relax. So last night we watched The Last Summer, which is a Netflix movie, and it's all about these young people and what they're doing on their last summer before going to college. Lovely. Another out for me is the pressure to keep up. Just going to leave that there because it relates to literally everything. And also the idea that I need to look better coming out of quarantine than I did going in. And I think that ties into like the feeling of pressure. And for me, it's just been really important to let go of that idea that I need to be putting myself through some kind of makeover right now, which I think I've taken on myself and also taken on from things that I have seen online. And I think I've taken it on myself because I have felt a little insecure about how I look right now, going through challenging mental and emotional periods. At least for me, I just feel down. And so it makes me feel down about everything. And I am in this place where I just don't want to put pressure on myself to feel like I have to be giving myself a makeover because one, it's not really what I feel like doing. And two, I want to focus on other things that are really important to me that involve, you know, taking care of 
the deeper parts of myself. And then in the moments where I want to play with makeup, allowing myself to play with makeup, I still love, you know, my skincare routine, but I'm really trying to watch myself and not step over that line to a place where I am putting myself in a place of pain and suffering because I feel like I need to look better coming out. Whatever like better means, it's very vague and just unattainable. It just requires being gentle with myself and really being aware of what I want to do that day and what self-love means for me in that moment. It's just been on my mind a lot and I have felt that pressure pretty much every single day. And Yesterday, I was just like, I am putting this on my out list. I'm physically writing it down. I am letting go of the idea that I need to look better coming out of quarantine and that I need to be giving myself a makeover right now because that is not what needs to be happening at all. I don't think I had identified that feeling, but now that you say it, I think I have been feeling that, especially for my skin. I've been without really noticing it, I think I've been expecting that after all this is over, my skin should look better because I'm not exposing it to anything. I have not been wearing any makeup. I've been more diligent about my skincare routine. So I think, yeah, I think that was an expectation that was subconscious for me thinking at least my skin's going to be better, but I don't know where that came from. I know. I feel the same way. And I had those exact same thoughts. Also, I'm just in this place where I do feel down and I want to acknowledge that. And I also want to acknowledge that it's okay for me to look down on the outside too, for that external experience to match the internal experience for a little bit. And it feels good to have those two things matching up. And that's just where I am right now and I'm giving myself permission to be there. Well, they're definitely matching up for me. Every time I look in the mirror right before I go out on a dog walk, I'm just like, whoa, this (laughs) outfit, this hair, this look. I mean, no one's out there. No one's going to see me. But still, knowing that I'm walking around on the street and I have not tried even 1%, it's been an experience. I know. And I feel like it will just feel that much more exciting, that much more creative to put outfits together again and to, you know, be leaving our homes and have places to go and have people to see. I feel like I will enjoy that experience in a completely new and different way after this. So my next out is having long hair. I was about to schedule an appointment to get a haircut right before all of this started, and I just didn't do it in time. And now I'm just so over my hair. And I've been really tempted to cut it myself because I have cutting shears that I bought a long time ago because I wanted to try trimming my own bangs, but I never had the guts to do it. But now there have been some nights where I've come really, really close to just giving myself a haircut. And What I want is to cut it ear length and for it to just be all one length, like a blunt cut. And it sounds like it should be easy. Like I've been trying to picture, like go through the motions. How would I go about this? And I think it wouldn't be too hard. Like how bad could a haircut be? But 
then I was watching Tiger King and there's some really bad hair on that show. And I was like, oh, if I mess this up, it could legitimately be bad. Like there is such a thing as bad hair. And do you know James, who is the FBI informant? You might not have seen him if you didn't get that far into the series. Yeah, I don't think we did. He has short red hair that's ear length. And I had this moment where I was like, what if I cut my hair and it looks like that? So right now I'm on a pause. I'm not going to make any drastic moves, but I am really tired of having long hair that's just up most of the time. It's just getting in my way. It's an out. Oh my God. I love that that was the moment for you where you saw what you didn't want and it made things very clear and that it happened to be connected to another out of yours too. Okay. My last out is trying to force old tools to work now. And I actually had this realization last night when I was talking to my friend Nitika. I actually interviewed her in season one of One Step. She is the founder of Chronicon and she's also a chronic illness advocate. We were talking last night and I watched her do an Instagram live And she mentioned her definition of self-love again. And I pulled out a piece of paper and wrote it down because I was like, this meant so much to me when she said it the first time and it is landing in a whole new way for me. And her definition of self-love is being committed to your happiness over your suffering in every single moment. And she was talking about how that helps her to practice self-love in a moment-by-moment way as opposed to it being this kind of like vague and esoteric definition. And so in each moment, you can recognize if you are choosing your suffering or your happiness and if you are more committed to one over the other in every single moment. It is pretty clear for us if we zoom in to the moment that's in front of us what we're choosing. And so that just meant so much to me. And it connects to this idea that I have had that I need to hold on to these tools that I've had in my toolbox for so long. And I have spent so many years like creating boundaries and developing habits that I really like and routines that I really like. And I'm noticing that so many of those things just aren't working in the way that I'm used to them working for me in this moment. And it feels like I'm going through my toolbox and I'm picking up all of these tools that I'm used to working for me. And I'm like, you're not working. Oh my God, you're not working. You're not working in the way that I'm used to you working. And I got to this moment where I was like, why am I trying to get a nail in using a screwdriver? Like it's just not working. And so I don't have to throw away these old tools, but having Nitika's definition of self-love, she also said, you know, the first step to practicing self-love is not going into developing habits and trying to create a new routine. It is knowing yourself. Step one is knowing who you are in this moment and what your needs are. And I wrote that down too. And I wrote down Who are you in this moment? Not who you were before 
the lockdown before COVID-19 because it's a completely different moment that we're in now. And that is, I think, one of the reasons why the tools I'm so familiar with and the routines I'm so familiar with aren't serving me in the way that they were previously. And so what I'm doing now is paying attention to who I am in this moment and working from there instead of going to my toolbox and trying to like force a nail in with a screwdriver when it's clearly not working. I have felt that too, that frustration that something that should help isn't helping. Like I'm doing my part. Why isn't it working. And I have also been more agitated by that than I thought I would be. Yeah. And I think for me, just yesterday, doing something as small as taking a run and listening to music, which is so opposite of the tools that I had previously and the routines that I had previously. And doing that yesterday was a huge act of self-love because I was choosing my happiness over my suffering by choosing to feel my feelings, the feelings that I needed to feel. And I was also acknowledging where I am right now. And where I am right now is like wanting to feel feelings, wanting to move my body, wanting to like listen to music while I'm moving my body, wanting to listen to music that's really provoking, which is just so opposite of what I'm used to. And after I did that run and made that playlist and listened to the music while I was running, I was like, that was a transformative experience for me. That was a lesson in being where I am now and loving myself in this moment. Yeah. And I think that also makes it clear to me that these things are so personal because for you, it's something that is more challenging and has more music and noise. And for me, what I've been reaching for is something really quiet and very minimal movement when I need that outlet. And that's what's working for me. And it's the opposite of what's working for you. But it's up to us to figure out what that is. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to frame this moment of getting to know myself in this moment in time as an adventure. Like I get to get to know myself in a completely new and different way. I'm going to see different sides of myself that I maybe didn't know were there. And so I think that for me makes it feel like okay, no matter what happens, this will be a deeper connection to myself that will serve me moving forward. I have one more out. Looking at this now, I think it's kind of clear that I did write this in the bathroom. I've always struggled with an itchy scalp. So that's my out. It's always been an issue for me, but lately it's been particularly bad. And I have curly hair, so I try not to wash my hair too often. But I've noticed that when I go a couple of days without washing my hair, my scalp gets itchier and it's almost unbearable. So if you have curly hair and you're listening to this, then you might be wondering if I used Eva Curl because there's been a lot of controversy around that brand. And I used to, but I haven't used them in a while. And I don't think that it's connected to the products, but I have ordered a new product, which is by Derma E, and it's specific to itchy scalp care. And it hasn't arrived yet. There's a delay. It's going to take a while, but I'm hoping 
that once it does arrive, I can fix this. I love that we're ending ins and outs with an itchy scalp because I would say an itchy scalp is out for everyone. We're all in agreement here. (laughs) Yeah. I think that is one thing that everybody would like have a unanimous vote on is itchy scalp is out. So now we're going to talk about my conversation with Talia. And we discussed so many things around fear, what fear is, how to work with fear, and specifically fear around money, which I feel like is just so relevant for what's happening right now. What came up for you when you listened to this interview over again? Because we recorded this interview in a completely different climate from when we aired this interview. Well, for me, we launched this episode on Monday. And I got the news on Monday that my financial situation is going to change drastically. And so it really filled me with a lot of fear this week. And I've just felt really grateful that I had Talia's tools to reach for at this time. It just felt like really perfect timing for me. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. I actually woke up this morning with just a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety, and it was specifically around money, old things like resurfacing, new things coming up. Did you write letters to fear? I did. I woke up in a similar state yesterday, and I lay in bed and wallowed in fear for a while, and I tried to meditate, but it didn't work. It was one of those things that just wasn't doing what it normally does. So eventually, I sat up and I wrote the letter to fear, and I felt silly at first. And when I was done writing the letter to fear, I sort of felt like, well, I don't need to write the letter from fear back to me because what would I even say? I don't know how to personify fear. I don't know if I need to do that part of the exercise, but I did it. I think I thought going into the exercise that I knew how it was going to go, but in the end, it really surprised me and I ended up getting a lot more out of it than I thought I would. Yeah, I feel the same way and I'm not sure if I did the exercise correctly, but I wrote my letters this morning and I started with writing as if I was hearing from fear. So this is like what fear was telling me. And then I wrote back to fear. So it was really powerful because what came up in, you know, the first letter was all of my fears. And then what came up in the second letter was evidence. And I think really just this encouragement from myself, this love that was coming out of me, where when I reread my first letter, I was like, oh, I immediately have things to say in contrast. And at first, when I started writing my second letter, I didn't know where to start. So I took my first letter and just wrote the opposite of the first sentence of my first letter. And then that just turned into like a wildfire. And my second letter ended up being longer than my first letter because I had so much to say. I had so much evidence to lay out and I was so shocked at how generous I was being 
with myself. And it was this profoundly shifting exercise that I really wasn't expecting because I did wake up with so much fear and so much anxiety, but it helped me provide clarity around what was going on, what the evidence is, the things that I can take action on, and the things that I'm actively working on. And it made me feel so much better because it made me realize, oh, I am taking care of myself in this moment because I am showing up. I am looking at all of this stuff. I'm not avoiding it. And so, you know, the beginning of my second letter was, hey, I think we can work together, you know? And so that set the tone for the rest of the second letter. And I read both out loud to Erica because reading things out loud can just be provoking for me in a good way. It helps just get like emotions out. I find reading things out loud to someone that I trust to be exceptionally valuable. And I read both to her and I was sobbing and also just in complete awe. I felt pain. I felt sadness. I felt all the fear. And I was also just in complete awe at the end that I had allowed myself to go through that process. And with that, allowed Erica to see these pieces of myself too. And she stepped into that space with me. So I didn't feel alone in that place and comforted me and just drenched me in love. And it felt like such a huge exercise. And I wasn't expecting it to be that by any stretch of the imagination, especially thinking about like how I woke up to how I walked away after reading the letters to Erica. Yeah, I think it's so interesting that our letters were so different. I think I had kind of assumed, especially before doing it, that like, okay, I can guess what I'll probably say to fear. I know what fear is probably going to say back to me. And I thought that everyone's letters to fear and responses would be kind of similar. But hearing you talk about yours makes me realize, oh, we've had vastly different experiences going through the same exact exercise in similar circumstances that all of us are going through right now. So for me, my first letter to fear, I realized that fear was kind of like a family member or a friend who's always warning you to be safe and to avoid risks and forwarding you emails that are like how to figure out if the mirror in the public restroom is double-sided. <laughs> that is a family member that I have. So it really put into perspective for me. I have those people in my family and I love them, but I don't always listen to them. And they're always going to tell me not to do certain things, but I get to decide whether I listen to them or not. I get to decide if I think that is a real risk to my safety or if I don't. That was the lesson that I kind of got writing my first letter to fear. And then in the letter from fear back to me, it was really, I just want you to be safe. I don't want you to get hurt physically or emotionally or financially. I want to shelter you from regret and I want your life to go smoothly and I've seen you go through hard times and heartbreak and I don't want to see you go through them again and I don't want you to feel pain and I want your road to be straight and smooth and easy and so after writing that and it was 
a very short letter. After writing that, I felt like I had things that I wanted to say back. So I wrote another letter and I said, there will be hard moments, there will be pain, there will be regret, but I'm resilient and I can handle it and I can make it through. And my road will not be straight or smooth or easy. And I'm going to choose some of the turns and some of them will be out of my control, but that's all just part of life. I don't want to feel pain or darkness either, but I appreciate fear and I also appreciate that that's just life. Yeah, I love that. I think that idea of fear as a family member is so beautiful and so tangible too. That one family member that like forwards you emails and you're like, okay, am I going to act on this or am I going to take a different path? And I think about my life as if it's like a car and my goal is to always be in the driver's seat with the keys and driving the car in my life. And there are times where I notice where something else is driving the car. And like this morning, fear and anxiety were definitely driving the car. And writing those letters got me back from out of the back seat and back into the driver's seat with the keys driving again. But it's a process. I think, you know, whether it's a family or you're in a car, like these things are important to have around you, but it makes a huge difference who's making the decisions and who's driving. Yeah. And I think especially in the last couple of weeks, I have not felt in control of fear. I have felt like it was controlling me. And also like that is normal and okay. There is a lot to be afraid of, but writing these letters really put me back in a bit of control over what I was feeling. That was Erica checking to see if I wanted grilled cheese for lunch. She literally just stuck a post-it into the closet with like a little note on it. I hope that I get a similar post-it soon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I feel like the letters were just such a huge takeaway from my conversation with Talia. And you know, when we recorded this episode, it just felt like a vastly different world. And so listening to the episode over again, it meant so much more to me. And it helped me have some anchors that I could ground myself in to work through fear because, you know, that's the reason why we wanted to make that episode first as opposed to going in with a financial expert and talking about tangible tips. I was in this mindset of I want to discuss the fear around money first because I feel like that is the first barrier to get through. And then we can move into talking about, okay, logistically, strategically, tangibly, what can we do with money? But the fear feels like such a huge wall and a huge barrier. And when I listened to Talia speak in that interview, again, I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I need right now. And just the reminder that fear has the same goal as I do. We want to remain safe. And how can you work with fear? What is your fear telling you? And then having something that gets your fear outside of you and allows you to see these things that you think you know that are inside of you. But when you start writing them down, it's 
really surprising what actually comes out. I want to end this episode by reading a quote that I came across this week, and it is from a book called Things That Join the Sea and the Sky, Field Notes on Living, and it's by Mark Nepo. I was originally going to share this in my ins and outs, but I figured this might actually be a nice way to end this episode. The reason why I have really loved this is because I think it addresses the duality that I know I am feeling right now and I think a lot of other people are experiencing gave me a sense of peace for like 10 seconds and I was like this is so incredibly valuable to me right now and I just keep reading it over and over and so I wanted to share it with you. What if it's all been misread? What if our insistence on primacy over each other only makes us lonely? What if the clouds we avoid float above our knotted way simply to cry for us, and it's their tears that make everything grow? But all the suffering, you say, all the ways we are so cruel. I have no answer, only this. The instant our life is conceived, our death is written. The instant a darkness descends, the light that will dissipate it is waiting. The two-step that cradles our lives is unseeable unstoppable. Like surf that rushes in and undertoes out, we are made and unmade. The instant we love or suffer, some aspect of the harmony opens, and what has always been comes together, only to come apart. It renews our fear of dying and stirs our want to live. That is going to be it for our episode today. Thank you so much to everyone who is out there listening. We always love hearing what you have to say. So if you'd like to share your thoughts with us, email us or send us a voice note at onesteppodcast at gmail.com. All you have to do is use the Voice Memos app on your phone or the Voice Record app, and you can use that to send us a voice note. If you do, it could potentially show up in a future episode. While you're here, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can find One Step on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at One Step Podcast to stay up to date. We're posting things there, asking you guys questions, We'll keep you updated about the podcast club. Anything that is kind of current and happening now is happening on our Instagram. Thank you so much to our producer, Christina Cleveland, our sound engineer and editor, Tung Chen, and to my studio, my lovely closet in New York City. Take care and we'll talk soon.